Okay. So we're doing now Monday's portion of Pakud Day. And for both of these sections, last week's portion, this portion of the Akron Pakud Day, this is concepts that were already explained in the previous Torah portions of Truman, Tetzav, in the beginning of Kisisa. And therefore, as Rashi writes in the beginning of Yako, he's not explaining all of these ideas. He already explained them. Anytime there's a Rashi here, it's based on something that would not be understood or for whatever reason there was not a question it was not explained, but here we have a question is explained. Or our explanation there still leaves us questioning here about the precision of something, of a term, of a reference, and therefore it has to be explained. And that's why there's very few Rashis, because all of these concepts were explained at length in the previous Torah portions. And therefore, anything that is explained here, we have to look at it and understand. Was it explained before, but it's not wouldn't transfer? Or was it expressed differently? And here we have a question that we didn't have before. For any commentary of Rashi, there always has to be a reason why, since all of these verses were written previously. And of course, one could ask the question, what's God wasting all these words for? We know Torah is so, so careful not to say anything unnecessary. And here we have two Torah portions that seemingly basically could have been summed up with, and they did it. But similar to the concept when the princes offer their offerings by the inauguration of the temple, we have all the details written out for the first offering of the first prince, Nachshon, the son of Enadav, the tribe of Jehuda of Judah. And then, every day afterwards, we have the next one, the next one, and the next one. And for each prince, for each head of tribe, who's offering the exact same thing, we go through every detail again. Verses and verses and verses, again and again and again, for each tribe. Why don't we sum it all up with that one-liner? And so-and-so did the same. <laughs> and so-and-so offered the same. It's explained that God rewrote all of the verses each time because for each tribe, actually something different was happening. Each tribe expressed a different energy, with a different intent, with a different purpose. And therefore, even on the surface to us, it seems like they're offering the exact same thing. Actually, each one was really offering something different. And similarly, here, even though it seems like we're repeating the exact same thing, as we said in the portions of Truman to Tzava, it's actually very different because in the portion of Truman Tzava, it's God's version of the story. God's temple, so to speak. A very spiritual temple, a temple of God. But in Bianca Makude, it's man's temple. It's not the God-level reality of the temple. It's actually the temple with actual gold and actual linen and actual copper and actual wool. And obviously on one hand, far less, and the loftiness of God's temple, on the other hand, ultimately the purpose, and ultimately through the temple of man, God's will and desire and the transformation of the physical to the spiritual to truly make a home for God in this world is being accomplished. So the temple of the previous portions of Truman Tzava is a completely different temple than the temple of these two portions, of Yaakov Bakude, which is why all of the verses are written again. Because this temple is the earthly temple. So literally taking the physical items of this world 
and dedicating them, consecrating them, and making them godly. So the verses of today, we're in chapter 39, starting with verse 2. He made the aphod. Aphod was the, so to speak, apron garment of the high priest of gold, turquoise wool, and purple wool, and scarlet wool, and twisted linen. They spread thin the sheets of gold and cut strands to work into the turquoise wool, and into the purple wool, and into the scarlet wool, and into the linen, the work of an artist. So Rosh explains here on this word of spreading thin that what they did was they would beat the plates from gold and they would spin the gold into threads. So they would beat the plates very thin and they cut strands from them across the length of the plate. And with each of these clothing items, of there's, there's two garments of the high priest. So I said there was gold in the garments. The afo, this apron-like garment, and the choshen, the breastplate garment. And for each one, they had turquoise wool and scarlet wool and the linen, the purple wool. So each one of these, they would have six threads of the material plus one thread, a seventh thread of gold. So six threads of turquoise wool with a seventh thread of gold. Six threads of purple wool with a seventh thread of gold. Six threads of scarlet wool with a seventh thread of gold. And six threads of the twisted linen with a seventh thread of gold. They made attached shoulder straps for it, attached with two ends. The chesed that beautifies is with it, which is on it. It is of it, like its work, of gold, turquoise wool, and purple wool, and scarlet wool, and twisted linen, as God had commanded Moshe. They made the Shoham stone, surrounded by golden settings, engraved, like the engraving of a signet with the names of the sons of Israel. Placed them on the shoulder straps of the Aphod, remembrance stones of the children of Israel, as God had commanded Moshe. These are the two stones that were on the, like the shoulders, one on each shoulder of the high priest, engraved with all the names of the tribes. He made the Choshen, the work of an artist, like the work of the Aphod, the high priest's apron, of gold, turquoise wool, and purple wool, and scarlet wool, and twisted linen. It was square folded that they make the Choshen. The Choshen is the breastplate. The Zeris is length, and the Zeris is width folded. They filled it with four rows of stones. Where are the names of all these stones? We're not chanting because I don't know exactly which of these precious stones they are. A row of Odem, and Pitida, and Barakas. That was one row. The second row, Nofach, Sapir, and Yahalom. The third row, Lashem, Shvov, Achoma. The fourth row, Tarshish, Shoham, Yashve. Encircled gold settings in their filling. The stones were according to the names of the sons of Israel, 12 according to their names, like the engraving of a signet, each man by his name for the 12 tribes. So these were all the stones of the brass plate. Where again, we have all the names of the children of Israel, and of course, as we know, this breastplate had within it God's name, and therefore, when one would ask the question of the high priest, the letters from all these names would light up from which they could spell out the words and understand the messages God was telling them. For the breastplate, the Hoshin, they made chains at the edge of cable work of pure gold. They made two gold settings and two gold rings, and they put the two rings on the two ends of the Hoshin, of the breastplate. They put the two golden cables and the two rings in the ends of the breastplate. 
and the two ends of the two cables they put on the two settings and put them on the shoulder straps of the afoot of the apron garment toward its face. They made two gold rings and placed them on the two ends of the choshen of the breastplate and its edge that faces the afoot, the apron inward. They made two gold rings and put them on the two shoulder straps at the bottom toward its face opposite its seam above the cheshev, the belt of the afoot, of the apron-like garment. They bound the chosh and the breastplate from its rings to the rings of the ephod of the apron garment, with a turquoise will string via the cheshev of the ephod, the belt, so to speak, of the apron garment, and the chosh and the breastplate would not be detached upon the ephod, the apron garment, as God had commanded Moshe. Okay, so that's 